This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. I want to welcome our many new listeners tuning in on Christian Radio through Salem Radio Network. We pray our programs will provide you insight for living in light of God's grace and love. Special thanks to the many radio stations carrying our program through Salem Radio Network. We welcome and appreciate each and every listener seeking to grow deeper in your intimacy with Christ and to walk more closely with our Savior day by day. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, and I'm your host for today's program. R.T. Kendall said this, Grace, you don't deserve it, you can't buy it, and you can't live without it. Dr. Fred Shea, in the foreword to the new book, Living by Grace, writes, Grace is crucial in every facet of your life and every relationship that you enjoy. Grace describes the heartbeat of God toward His people and should describe the heartbeat of His people toward Him. Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to dig into a new book titled Living by Grace. After all, we were saved by grace. Shouldn't we walk in it as well? Our instructors are going to be seasoned pastors, theologians, missionaries, and ministry leaders. Our hope and our prayer is that you'll be overwhelmed by the grace of God. I am so pleased to have with me today our first guest in the series, Dr. Dave Anderson. Dr. Anderson is president and professor of biblical languages and systematic theology at Grace School of Theology. He is a graduate of Rice University. In addition, Dr. Anderson received his master's in theology and doctorate in Greek New Testament and early Christian literature from Dallas Theological Seminary. He is the author of many books, including Maximum Joy, Triumph Through Trials, Position and Condition, Saving the Saved, and many more. Dr. Anderson wrote the introduction to the new release, Living by Grace. So, Dr. Anderson, welcome back to Saving Grace. Uh, well, thank you so much. Great to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to talk about this really important book. Uh, you know, it seems that we, if we truly grasp our eternal salvation is due to faith alone in Christ alone. It just makes sense that that is going to have an effect on the way we live our daily lives. Would you agree? And if so, would you contrast what life looks like under grace versus life under law? Well, the law says you have to. Uh, Grace doesn't say that. True grace is a gift. Uh, he made it clear in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that it's not of works. And of course, a gift you can't earn or, or to be a salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to do anything in return or be a bribe. Yeah. You have it forever or to be a loan. And so our salvation is unique, and mm-hmm. in, in it is by grace and a uh, free gift from God. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you look at it that way, that you can't do anything to get it, don't have to do anything to keep it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you're living a thank you life yeah. rather than a have to life. Mm. Remember, law says you have to. Yes, yes. Uh, so that's the difference between a 
drudgery and, and joy. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if it turns into a have-to life, then it might be like a job. Mm. I might do it because I have to, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I would enjoy doing it. Mm. If I had come as a volunteer, and I'm volunteering because I don't have to do it, yeah. then it's a total joy because it's, it's doing what I want to do. Plus there's that passion that comes with the mm. joy of serving, right? Absolutely. Mm. And it's also something you want to spread to others because yeah. you want them to experience that kind of joy. Mm. Yeah. 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 There's a lot more uh, motivation, I think, when it is out of thankfulness mm-hmm. to serve the Lord instead of out of duty where, like you say, the drudgery or the mm-hmm. just a, a have-to attitude takes the steals all of your joy. Uh, Amen. It's the only way to live. Well, you know, as I think about my daily walk with the Lord, I realize that it's the assurance of my salvation that truly helps me to live that thank you life. You know, uh, but not all Christians have assurance. And so it's kind of hard for them to understand living a thank you life when they don't have assurance and don't really understand how I can have assurance. Uh, so what what are the mixed messages that they are hearing about their salvation that would keep them from having assurance? Well, in one form or another, it all comes back to their performance. And they believe they have to perform and be faithful in order to somehow merit going to heaven. Now, they would also, many of them would say, faith alone and Christ alone. But it gets back to how do you define faith? (laughs) And many modern scholars like D.A. Carson have put perseverance into the definition of faith. In other words, the essence of faith is to be faithful to the end of your life, Mm. or you never had saving faith. Mm. Well... Mm. Uh, we would say that put works right in, back into the equation. Yes. If I have to, did you hear the word have to? Yes, yes. Be faithful or persevere to the end of my life, uh, then, of course, it's back to my own performance. Plus, when would you know? Oh, you wouldn't. If I have to be faithful to the end yeah. of my life, obviously I'm not going to know until the end of my life. Yeah. Now, half the world, uh, the Christian world, about mm-hmm. 2 billion people name the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. Half of them belong to the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And they think it's the height of hubris or pride to say you have assurance. Mm. Because they, uh, in their theology, justification is a, over a period of time as you get more and more of Christ in you. Mm-hmm. If you're perfected in the love of Christ, you get to go to heaven. Mm. If not, if you fall short, you go to purgatory and you suffer there an appropriate time for whatever percentage of your life is not Christ-like. Mm-hmm. But... They have no uh, way to deal with future sins. And you can't have assurance of your salvation yeah. without a way to take care of your future sins. So that's where the Reformation began. Uh, is, uh, you might say, well, it began on the 95 Theses. Well, those were uh, Luther's protests against the sale of indulgences mm. by the Catholic Church to mm-hmm. raise money for war and for finishing the Sistine Chapel, things like that. Wow. But uh, Melanchthon, the tutor of Luther, came along and said, no, justification is not over a period of time. It happens at a point in time. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, he said, all your sins are forgiven in the courtroom of heaven. Courtroom, courtroom, that's why they call it forensic justification. In the courtroom of heaven, past, present, and future. Now, how could he say future? Mm. Well, it's because in Romans 8, uh, Paul claims that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Things past, nor things to come. Mm. Nor Mm. things to come. 
or that's things right. to come. That's, that's future. future. Yeah. That's future. So, uh, though I don't want to, mm-hmm. just uh, experience tells me I will probably sin mm-hmm. multiple times between now and the time I leave this earth. Yeah. If I thought uh, those sins could ruin my relationship with God, I would have no assurance. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Not until you die, you wouldn't know. Yeah. So Paul is saying, no, a justification says all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. That's the basis for our assurance of salvation now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it just seems that those who don't have assurance... Uh, they would assume that you have to have that uh, provision where you where you have to work hard till the end. You have to to persevere uh, because they they don't understand that the motivation comes from joyfully serving out of gratitude. And I think gratitude is half the motivation. Yeah, uh, it's appreciation for what yeah. Christ has done for us, or God through Christ. We love him because he first mm-hmm. loved us. And mm-hmm. out of love, when you love somebody, you want to serve them. You, yes. you want to do you want all, to sorts, them. all yes. sorts of things you wouldn't do if you didn't love them. That's right. But there's another 50% of the motivation in the Christian life, and that's anticipation of the glory that we can bring to him for eternity. Mm-hmm. So he takes our lives after we become Christians, takes a look at them, Judges them, mm-hmm. both the act and the intention, mm-hmm. both the deed and the motive. Mm-hmm. And he says, that which is done for my glory will glorify me forever. Mm. So what you do today, or perhaps even in this class here, or this uh, radio time, uh, could be uh, turn out to be a little gem on one of his crowns yes. that yes. Uh, reflects his uh, glory forever and ever. Now, that can be very, very motivating. Oh, I think so uh, as well. And I think, I guess then that's what... Uh, Paul refers to when he talks about pursuing the gift uh, that, you know, he, he doesn't want to lose the gift. Well, he's not talking about losing his salvation, but he wants to, he wants that reward. Uh, yeah, we talk about the difference between the gift and the prize. Yes. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says uh-huh. salvation is the gift, all right? Mm-hmm. But once you have it, there's a prize out there. But by receiving the gift, you enter the, a race. Yeah. You're in the starting blocks. But then the rest of your Christian life is really a race, and he's talking about in Philippians 3 that we press on toward uh, the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's the prize, and of course in 1 Corinthians 9 he talks about buffeting his body. Yes. So he doesn't be disqualified. Uh, he says only one receives the prize, so going after the prize. Mm-hmm. The prize is the reward you mentioned. Yes, yes. And of course, too, as believers, we know that it's not just one gets the prize. Right. It's anyone who, who is uh, really that becomes the disciple and a real follower of mm-hmm. Christ, right, to, to get the prize. Or uh, in Revelation, he uses the word overcomer. Mm, yes. And uh, the overcomer, he says in Revelation 21.7, is going to be a son, a fully mature believer, and he's going to inherit all things. Mm. Inherit is used in Old Testament and New Testament almost always mm. for reward. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I think it's exciting. It certainly motivates me. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a there's a common disposition that that you see among those who don't have assurance, and it is that lack of joy that you referenced earlier. But it always seems that they are continually inspecting their own lives. Have I done enough? Uh, or they're, they're, they're 
their joy comes and goes depending on whether or not they think they've done enough today or if they failed then they're down because again they don't feel like they've persevered uh, what is the source of what we might call fruit inspection where they're not only inspecting themselves but they're also inspecting others well uh, that's been around since the church began but uh, it got into full bloom with Theodore Basin. He was the su successor to John Calvin in, in Geneva, at the Geneva Academy. And uh, he brought into full vogue the doctrine of limited atonement, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the, uh, what they call the five points of Calvinism. Now, John Calvin himself, as assurance comes from looking to Christ. He says, if you look to yourself, you're doomed. But Basin went on to say, well, you can't look to Christ because, limited atonement, he might not have died for you. Mm. So you might be one of the reprobate, and looking to Christ who didn't die for you wow. would be worthless. So he says, you know, you have to look at yourself. And so the great fruit inspecting industry, I call it, really got going with, with Beza. Mm. And, uh, you know, when I look to my own fruit, it can be disappointing sometimes. So there, and then it helps me to look at your fruit. Right, compare. Yeah, and if my fruit, in my own estimation, uh, is just a little better than your fruit, I feel a little more secure. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but we call that, of course, judgmentalism. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. There's no joy in that, <laughs> no. none whatsoever. Uh, well, one of the most beautiful characteristics of God is his unconditional love for us. Explain why, then, a sovereign God would allow humans to have free will where we could choose whether or not we love mm -hmm. him. Uh, this doesn't even make sense, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I know your husband, uh, Bob. Uh, did he ask you to marry him? Yes, he did. Really? Could you have said no? I could have. Well, he was kind of taking a risk, wasn't he? Yes, he was. To ask you? That's right. Nevertheless, he seemed to want to give you a choice. Mm. Now, why on earth would he do that? Mm. Well, he wanted to make sure I loved him, didn't he? Ah! <laughs> and the Bible is a love story. Yeah. And when Lucifer rebelled, he brought into question two things, God's sovereignty, who has the right to rule, and God's love, is God worthy of being loved? Both of those questions are being answered by the human race. Mm. And when we choose to obey God, we're saying, you have the right to rule, and I love you. Mm. When we don't do that, we're on uh, the devil's side, Satan's side. So the whole uh, issue of choice is a risk on God's part because yeah. we might choose against him. Yeah. But at the same time, it's the only way he would know if we love him. Mm. If you take choice out, which in uh, many theologies, which are what we call deterministic, right. meaning the future is predetermined and you have no choice. Mm. Well, if you have no choice, there's no love. No, you're like robots. Yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, one view of sovereignty is uh, if I were to create 10 computers to sing glory to me mm. when I snap my fingers, and assuming I had the capacity to do that high-tech stuff, <laughs> uh, and they do sing glory to me, well, that's mm. a form of sovereignty. I'm mm. over those robots. Mm. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. uh, over those computers, and I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But our God's sovereignty is far higher than that because he incorporates our human choice with the risk we might reject him. Mm -hmm. And through that human choice, he's settling these questions. Is he worthy of being loved? Mm. Take choice away, you take love away. Oh, wow. Mm. 
And that should be a concept very easy for us to grasp as human beings. Like you say, thinking about our spouses, thinking about our children. We want our children mm-hmm. to love us. We aren't going to force them to love us. Yeah, and I think it's one reason he uses marriage as an illustration yeah. between uh, Christ and the church. Yeah. Yes, yes, he does. He does. You know, Paul tells us that we are justified by faith without works. And then James turns around and says, faith plus works justifies us. You say that both these statements are true, but you have to understand categories of truth. Explain what you mean and maybe give us a a couple of examples of categories of truth. Well, I just finished a little book called Relationship and Fellowship. And... Uh, the easiest way to understand it is, is through our families. Mm. If you have a son, uh, you have an eternal relationship with that son. Uh, you would be his mother. He's your son. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if, God forbid, one of you should go to heaven and the other to hell, mm-hmm. the relationship mm-hmm. is still intact. Mother, son. Mm. But just because you have this eternal relationship doesn't mean you are enjoying the relationship. Mm. If your son became a bank robber, uh, you probably wouldn't approve of that. Yeah. Uh, and it probably wouldn't bring you any joy, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so fellowship is enjoying the relationship. So we think it's very important to distinguish between the relationship, which is eternal, and the fellowship that you can enjoy or lose and get back and lose. Mm. In the Old Testament, the eternal relationship is between Israel and God. And that was through the Abrahamic covenant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the fellowship was through the Mosaic covenant. Mm. Uh, if you read through the Pentateuch, yeah. there's really nothing in there about going to heaven. Uh, and the law was given that they might enjoy the relationship they already had with God. Mm. Well, that theology is carried right into the New Testament. Yes. And it's, yeah. it's the basis for uh, having assurance because right. we realize we have a relationship that's forever. But also to enjoy that relationship such that if we walk in the darkness, then we're out of fellowship. And there's no joy. Yeah. If we come back to the light through confession of the sins we know about, mm-hmm. uh, then we have joy again. Mm-hmm. And that, in that chapter in First John, verse 4, he said, I've written this to you yeah. that your joy may be full. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, he gives us First John 1, 9 mm-hmm. to confess our sins so that that fellowship can be restored, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's a beautiful But, but knowing the relationship is intact <clears throat> is so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture says the just man falls seven times, but he rises up eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. if I didn't know I had that permanent relationship, mm-hmm. it would be harder for me to rise up. Mm. Yes. I think about the, the prodigal son story that mm-hmm. we're all so familiar with. He, he you know, took his inheritance and left, really just shaming his father and doing that in that mm-hmm. time period. And, and yet... He returned to his father. <laughs> he was still a son, but he knew yeah. that fellowship had been broken, and so he was willing to go back as a as a servant instead right. of a son, wasn't he? You're right. And the father didn't hunt him down, but the father was watching. Mm. So he saw him when he was away, yeah. far off, yeah. and then he ran out to him and lavished his love over, yes. over him. Yes. I think that's so important today. There are a lot of broken families today, and prodigal children and uh, the hope that we can offer them is that, you know, they were 
they they gave their children the foundation mm-hmm. of 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 the word and and the love for Christ and uh, if they received Christ. Um, if they believed in Christ for mm-hmm. salvation, forgiveness of sins, then hopefully they will come back just as that prodigal son did, and we can welcome them with open arms, right? Yeah, and there's one really encouraging thing, I think, in First John 5, when it talks about that which is born of God. Uh, it's talking about the seed of God which is planted in us, or what we might call, Paul would call, the new nature, the inner man. That's incorruptible. Mm. So no matter how far a child that knows the Lord goes away from him, that seed is still in him. And that seed, which is incorruptible, is something that can bring bring him back to new life in Christ. Oh, that's real Mm -hmm. powerful encouragement. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. Uh, Another category uh, is... Position, condition. Explain the difference in those two. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are about our position in Christ. Mm-hmm. The next three chapters, the last three chapters, are about our condition on earth. So he says we've been blessed with all these heavenly blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14, it says, in him, in the beloved uh, in Christ over and over and over. I, yeah. uh, off the top, I don't remember. I think it's 11 times. Wow. He's talking about where we are right now in Christ, mm-hmm. our position in Christ. Mm-hmm. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13 say, we all have been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. We're put into Christ. And we have all these blessings like forgiveness of sins, yes. like, like being sealed by the Spirit mm-hmm. and uh, all these wonderful things. But our condition can be quite a bit different. Uh, uh, Luther tried to put this together when he said simoiestus et peccator which means at the same time simul uh, I am justified or just justice yeah, justice in the way they spell it mm-hmm. in Latin and at peccator a sinner well that seems like a contradiction how can I be justified before God and also still be a sinner well in that saying he's expressing position and condition in my position I'm justified yes in my condition, I'm still sinful. Mm. Now, the incredible truth, though, the truth there of Ephesians and other passages, is that nothing in my condition can ever change my position. Mm. Let me say that again. Yes. <laughs> nothing in my condition <clears throat> can ever change my position. Mm. Mm. Did I say that right? Yes. Nothing in my condition can ever change yes. my position. However, if you focus on your position, it can radically improve your condition. Mm. If, if you focus on your condition, your condition will get worse. Yeah. Because we become what we think about. Mm. If you think about all the sins you're committing, yeah. you'll just become more sinful. Mm. And not to, not to mention depressed and defeated and discouraged. Yes. But if you focus on who you are in Christ, mm. and who you are in Christ really helps determine what you are on earth, yes. then it can radically improve your condition. Amen. Why? Mm-hmm. I've experienced that firsthand. Amen. Yeah, that's and it's a beautiful thing. Yep. And so many need that hope today because they are trying so hard mm-hmm. uh, to be what they think a Christian ought to be, uh, not recognizing that it is who they are. Mm-hmm. And if they would just focus on the one who loves them so much, their behavior yeah. will begin to follow suit, I think. Well, it's also comforting to know that 
uh, we don't self-sculpt, so to speak. Mm. The sculptor is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and uh, other passages would indicate that uh, the Christian life is more of a rest than it is a work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Galatians 3.3 3 say, O foolish Galatians, having begun by the Spirit, are you, who has bewitched you, having begun by the Spirit, are you now going on to perfection or maturity through the flesh? Mm. So we can do good things through the energy of the flesh that just uh, make us more defeated because that gets us into legalism. Yes. But when we rest in the Spirit's work, that He's the one who's conforming us to the image of Christ Mm. from character quality to character quality, or as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, from glory to glory. Mm. Mm. Uh, Then we realize our responsibility, as it says in 3.18, is to behold the Lord. Mm-hmm. So as we look at him and who we are in him, the spirit makes us like him. Wow. I love that. Mm-hmm. love that. Well, in closing, how would you summarize <clears throat> the good news of free grace theology uh, for those who would believe in Jesus by faith alone? How would you summarize uh the good, the good news of, of, of just grace. Well, I think the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so I would say at some point along the way, all humans have a guilty conscience because Paul says we have all sinned or all do sin and fall short of the glory of God. So what are we going to do with that sin? Mm-hmm. Well, the good news is Christ came along and, and God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So he paid the price we should have paid for our sins to take our sins away. And the good news is all we have to do is receive that. Yes. Uh, John 1.12 says, To as many as received him, to them he, came, he gave the right to be the children of God. And what does it mean to receive him? Then it says, even those who believe in his name. Mm. So believe in the promises of Christ. He died for your sins, but he's also... Uh, paid with sins for the whole world because he's not just man, he was also God. Yes. So it takes an infinite sacrifice to pay for the sins of the whole world. Mm. One man couldn't do it. Uh, and so he's done that for all of us. He's done that for every human who ever had or will live. So just receive it yes. by faith. And faith isn't defined by perseverance. Mm. Faith is just receiving what God has given to us. Amen. Amen. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for taking this time to to share with us uh, these, these truths. I know it will be an encouragement to all of our listeners. Well, we hope today's topic <clears throat> has stirred your interest to get into God's Word and learn more about living by grace. We also encourage you to get a copy of the book, Living by Grace, which we'll be discussing over the next few weeks. We can find that uh, at in all of our resources at gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. So glad you've tuned in today. Please tell others about Saving Grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. Thank you, Christian radio station managers who are picking up our program through Salem Radio Network. And welcome to the many new listeners of Saving Grace. We pray you will be encouraged and equipped by each program as together we grow in our knowledge and love for Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Saving Grace. 
For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu slash center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.